Hello and uh, welcome to the Delicious Recipe here on UPRN, United Public Radio. And if you're uh, watching along there, uh, you can check us out on uh, YouTube. That is uh, on UFO Extraterrestrials and Gods and UFO Paranormal Radio, UFO Paranormal Radio. That one's done twice. We're also on uh, many other uh, platforms, so pretty much all the platforms under United Public Radio, UPRN. And we're broadcasting also uh, locally out of uh, New Orleans. I want to thank my uh, three helpful uh, guests there. They got things going there. That's uh, Hey You, Katie Pot, and Blaze. Thank you very much for all your assistance there. And uh, today's uh, uh, title one is Mystery Meat. And I have a returning guest there, Dave Petrella. Dave Petrella is a bioastrologer, biologist, spiritual guide, Oak Island theorist. And you can also find uh, Dave on uh, Facebook, YouTube, and also on Instagram. And uh, Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, Dell, I appreciate it. Yes. So... This has been a big, uh, we, we talked the last time we talked uh, about Oak Island, and uh, I guess there was a big hubbub uh, around Christmas time uh, about some uh, important discoveries. And I actually went through, I, I keep on going back in and back and forth into this uh, Oak Island story. We'll also talk about uh, the, the mounds in the U.S. there too as well. And uh, But first, let's start off with the Oak Island stuff. And... Uh, I sent you a link there yesterday. Were you able to watch that one there about that? Uh, uh, I guess he's sort of a a treasure hunter, and he has theories on uh, Oak Island, and you also have theories on Oak Island. I have theories on Oak Island. And uh, I guess the one thing is, uh, why haven't they really found anything, and why are they taking their time? Yeah, it's kind of a strange thing. I mean... This is the tenth season on TV now, and a lot of people kind of they, they kind of hung it up after the second or third season, you know, because the joke was, oh, we found more wood, you know, or oh, we found a button or whatever. Um, so I totally get it, you know. Uh, Dave, you're you're uh, coming through there. You got a microphone at all? Headphones and mic? Uh, I do have. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you you're coming through a little bit garbled there. Okay, can you hear me better? Yeah, I can hear you better now. Yeah. All right, I'll I'll try to hold that then. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, this is the tenth season um, of the show on TV, and people uh, the running joke is that oh they found more wood, you know, or they found another button or a piece of metal or whatever. And, you know, I, I, I tend to agree it feels a little slow. Um, I think you and me talked last time. You know, you can just you could just dig a, a large ditch as, you know, in the mining operations, how that goes, and get down to 200, 300 feet and kind of just get everything and get out. So it does seem to be delayed. It does feel delayed. Uh, what I think is going on is, um, you know, I've been to the island many times, obviously, and there's a lot of supernatural energy there uh okay. of all different varieties so it's one of those things for me it's one of those things for me where it feels like it has to be the right time um and you know i i'm not, not necessarily use the word thwarted but obviously I didn't, I didn't get the time on tv even though it was uh filmed for nine hours you know my work was filmed for nine hours and they cleared the schedule for it and everything and it felt like uh you know it felt like if you guys we lost Dave there. Maybe he can get back in again. Uh, maybe where he's just having sort of a little bit of a, uh, 
a connection problem, but uh, I will continue on there while we're waiting for Dave. Oh, there he is. He's back again. Yep, there he is. Hey there, Dave. Slowly booting up there. Boy, those. I can see your your picture's almost okay. there. There you are. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You must. You yeah. Must so in any case, what I was saying is. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, so so the thing is, is that it feels like it should be, it should have developed more, you know, uh, over the course of ten years. We have all the technology to do it, obviously, um, and we're just still trying to figure it out, you know. I think that for the brothers, it's something that they're doing on their um, free time, you know. It's like uh, the brothers getting back together after their careers. Well, I think Mom's still working, but Rick, uh, Rick is retired from the postal service and and uh, so uh, for them, it's kind of like a, a playground thing too. You know, if they're having fun, they're getting to spend more time together as brothers, like they did when they were kids. So they're just doing it at their pace, and I mean, it's it's prohibitively expensive obviously there's a lot of money coming in from uh, mm -hmm. the history channel and from prometheus entertainment and from the canadian government too i believe it's uh subsidized but the point is is that um you know it can never be fast enough for the fans of the show and i, I tend to agree but you know if it is something really powerful or really magical maybe it's not time for the for the earth yet maybe the earth is not ready to receive whatever's down there so that's something to keep in mind <laughs> Yeah, I guess if you want to go that uh, direction, uh, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. it is sort of a, a this unlocking thing. Like uh, that goes into the mysticism of almost like religion. Like uh, he will return in uh, two days, which could mean two thousand years or whatever. We're talking about uh, Jesus Christ, that the Christians b uh, believe that he is going to return, and that'll be the part of the apocalypse and uh, the New Jerusalem and that, but. Uh, because there is a lot of uh, speculation that there is sort of uh, religious artifacts down there. Now, in this uh, th this clip that I sent you there yesterday, it's actually a YouTube channel. Um, let me just, uh, I wrote it down there. Is that clip came out there a little while ago. It was called The Curse of Oak Island. And it was from a, a guy there off of his channel, Treasure Exploration and Research. And uh, he brought up a couple really interesting points because I also had these sort of thoughts in my mind there too as well is that it, Oak Island actually looks like it was two islands and uh, the way they sort of situated together. And uh, his theory was, is that this was a, a ship repairing port and they sort of made the two islands there into sort of like a dry dock area. And then they also mm -hmm. had, I guess, a cache place uh, that they would store for payment for fixing boats and they would bring in materials and that because there is huge lay down areas where, where you would have stuff and where you could produce timbers, uh, make your uh, pitch tar for uh, sealing boats and that. And that would also sort of explain too, in a way, in my thought, all this coconut fiber that they found. Because if you have ships that are stealing stuff and pirating through the uh, the Caribbean coming up uh, along the east coast of the North America. And then there's this secret sort of uh, uh, boat uh, place there that uh, other people, uh, other countries don't know of and the pirates sort of know of because there's a lot of pirating going on through the Caribbean and along that area. Now you have this out of the way sort of spot. You can go and store your riches there too as well. There's an arsenal that's there and you can get your boat fixed. And it's that his, his theory was on there was actually sort of 
made a little bit more sense. That's why you had these uh, long uh, uh, stone pathways and things for dragging up boats. And the part that he said, like, if you were carrying all this gold, why would you need all this oxen there for pulling power and stuff like that? Well, if you're pulling boats in and out of a dry dock, like if uh, anybody's uh, familiar <laughs> with how dry docks work, they have like big, huge sort of locomotive trains that pull in and out. And uh, it sort of started making a little bit more sense why they weren't finding anything. And they're finding these sort of tools around there. What, what do you what do you think about that theory? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there's been the occupations throughout the last several hundred years. There's all kinds of groups of people that have been on the island. And, yeah, you know, people have to remember, too, that it's on, it's essentially, it's right in the shipping road if you're coming over from Europe. So it's one of the first things you're going to do once you leave Greenland. Um, Newfoundland, and you've got no coast at all. The thing about it is that it's okay. No, uh, we're we're losing you again, there, Dave. Uh, your uh, your uh, your mic is sort of cutting in note. Okay. You hear me okay? No. <laughs> okay, we're gonna let uh, Dave there uh, try that again and see if his connection is working better because I could barely hear him there. And uh, let's see if he comes back in again. There you go. Okay, your picture's back in again. Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, now now you sound clear. Yeah, I didn't hear the last things that uh, you said. They were, came through sort of garbled. Okay, well, you know Nova Scotia is is on the, one of the main shipping routes coming over from Europe. So you're going to have all the kinds of people coming over and stopping when you first hit land. It's going to be over on the Atlantic coast there. So you should, you know, people should expect there's going to be lots of different people through the past centuries. We know that at the minimum the Portuguese were up there in the 1500s. And then you've got uh, multiple waves of French and British, you know, back and forth, taking land from each other and things of that nature. And then, like you mentioned, you do have privateers and pirates. Um, that's well known and, and uh, documented and everything with the, the land deeds, you know, improved that there were privateers and pirates there. So the thing about it is that um, there's many different, I think there's been many different occupations through the centuries. It's not something that's just, Oh, we lost them again there. Me and Dave's having sort of a, a little bit of technical issues with uh, the internet. And I apologize that for you folks that are out the side listening there. But what he is basically saying that there was a, uh, a lot of uh, shipping that was coming through through Europe and uh, coming down. And uh, this could also hey, be... Uh, Del? Yep, there you are. You're back again. Yep. I think the guy that did the video um, has some really good points, you know, in, in terms of there's a lot of things um that point towards maybe a more traditional explanation for what's going on when you see dry docks and you see walls uh for hauling things up you see evidence of oxen and ox shoes and all that stuff so yeah it's a really yeah. it's a really good point and you know in actually over in smith's cove too which is just east of the money pit um they did find a lot of evidence of a dry dock actually when they dredged you probably remember that Del, Del, uh when they dredged yeah. the cove there well, they found uh, standing pieces of lumber in there and everything, and they were uh, formed into what looked like gates and ramps and stuff. And there was there was stone in there as well. So, um, and I think it was from around 1776. So I think they were figuring that was probably like a British occupation during the the mm -hmm. war with this that point. 
So that's, you know, and I actually agree with that, um, what they found over there, but I actually think there's many layers, there's many different things going on at the same time. That's, that's some of them. And the other one, just to one more point, what you were saying, there are also docks that go into the ocean and they're underwater now by quite a bit, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. the est- the estimate, I believe, was about 100 years. Um, there's going to be about a foot of ocean level rise in Nova, in that Nova Scotia area in Mahone Bay per 100 years. So if you figure, you know, 300 years, you figure about three feet, which is pretty substantial. You know, if you're going mm-hmm. straight down, that's quite a bit, especially especially yeah. when you're up against an island that's already going to be shallow, you know, coming up onto the shoreline and everything. Three feet is quite a bit. So you're right. seeing docks going under there and yeah, it makes sense, you know, but I think it goes back a lot before that too. Um, mm-hmm. And some of that, and the other thing too, is that when you get or a lot of organic debris, you know, there's a lot of deciduous, <clears throat> deciduous trees in the Northeast in general. And so every fall when you have things falling and you have plants obviously losing their leaves, it gets mm-hmm. compacted and then it creates uh, soil on top of the hard pack. And then, yeah. you know, after a few hundred years, you got, who knows how much, six inch, six inch, six inches or a foot or even more, maybe, depending on where you're at, of mm-hmm. additional stuff that's burying things that were possibly before the 1700s. Yeah, that's sort of, uh, yeah, exactly. That That's interesting, too, because also they found, I think this was like in the early uh, season two or three, they had another... Uh, Oak Island guy that was in there that was only on for partial season and they had found these uh, large blocks that went from the island to the mainland where the, he had figured that they had had like some sort of roadway and if you think there as you're saying that over that time the water has come up three feet that would have been a lot lower because these these uh, stones aren't that far underneath the the water surface and at that time there that would have been a perfect roadway to bring in these long timbers onto the island to uh, fix the boats Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because and this is another part. They were. uh, This is this is why I find this show so frustrating, and that's why I I, I watch it a little bit and then I catch up because, uh, like you said, if they're in their tenth season, there and they're they're making that this is sort of like a a retirement hobby for them, and Mm -hmm. the the amount of the amount of money that's in there, like they the one borehole they have there, and then they have five hundred other test uh boreholes that they did around they have the made big case on one that they put in and then that, that's a lot of drilling and that's not cheap at all like that's that's quite extensive oh yeah you know tens of millions of dollars no no question uh they do have obviously at this point since the show is so wildly popular they've got a lot of support financial support mm-hmm. um but you know marty lagina also he he's done really well in the wind energy business in michigan and so um, you know, it, again, it's something that they enjoy doing. And I, I think there's a lot of merit to it. Um, I get, you know, obviously it's the same, uh, it's the same Hollywood nonsense. And even, uh, yeah, if you know, Hamilton White, Dell, and, uh, he's on Lost Relic, he's oh, on yeah, Lost, yeah. Lost Relic Hunters, right? So he was on, uh, Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Pisano's show the other day, uh, or maybe last week or something. And I just watched that show last night, actually. And, you know, he's always expressed uh, for quite as long as I've actually known about him, he's always expressed kind of the same thing that, you know, we got people who have real information, who have good evidence, and they're showing crap, you know, for lack yeah. of a better word. They're showing they're showing repeat. It's basically mm-hmm. like it's you know, I'm not being, trying to be offensive to people, but it's like the lowest common denominator 
that's what they're going to push and plug because they're interested in the profit and they're interested in, in entertaining people and they're interested in the numbers. How many people are going to tune in? Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunate, fortunately, what I would say is that very, very slowly, you know, almost at a snail's pace, I think, um, I personally think they are getting somewhere. I don't know if they understand what they're doing necessarily because uh, you see, you see, like, they start a project, and then it's like, oh, okay, this is going to be good. We'll see in a few weeks where they are. And then uh, sometimes they just stop out of stop out of nowhere, and then you never see what happened with that project. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, here's a good example, uh, which is one of the uh, caddies that they put shaft down. Um, and they sent men, they sent people down there, you know, with scuba gear and metal detectors. They were 190 feet in the ground in a 20 foot high cavern, you know, filled with salt water. It's actually like a very dangerous operation that they were doing. Yeah. Um, and they, they sent several, several people down. Well, there's some really strange things down there. You know, th- this is what uh, people call the shiny gold object. It was found in yeah. C1 and it's in the, it's in the general money pit area. But the thing about it is that, um, you know, they were getting all kinds of anomalous metal detecting hits down there. They thought they saw gold coins falling from the wall, you know, which I'm very skeptical about that one. Um, the other thing is, is that at the bottom of the bottom of this cell, and there's first, it's proven to be a 20 foot tall cavity. Uh, there's only 10 feet open space though, because the other 10 feet is still in, completely covered, you know. So uh, there's there appeared to be netting on the bottom. Uh, for lack of a better word, it was covered over with a lot of silt, but it looked like some kind of a mesh netting, maybe a chain link, possibly. And there were other items pushed up against the wall that looked... Nope, we lost Steve again there. He must be having uh, 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 problems there. And I'll just continue on with uh, what Dave is saying there, if uh, people are, are missing that. This is off of the, the main uh, borehole that they... Oh, can uh, you hear me? That... Yeah, I can hear you. Just hold on there, Dave. Let me just fill people in there. So Bell, can you hear me? Dave was ta- yep, I can hear you. So uh, what, okay. what Dave was what Dave was saying is that at the the bottom of this, the, the main borehole C one, I believe that's the number of it. There is that the, they had sent mm-hmm. divers down to the bottom, and this was in the earlier parts of the season when they finally did a, a large enough uh, a hole where they went around from the the original one, which was I think they had oil tankers from uh, the nineteen fifties, whatever that were. Uh, welded together as they went down and then they got down then they broke through something that ended up causing the flood but there's this this and that, that of course that of course was 10x uh, that was 10x though that one oh, okay okay but uh out of this is that they, they found these these anomalies these caverns down there they sent a diver down and uh i remember watching that episode and uh first they sent the camera down they saw some looked like gold and a right angle and that, that was the thing. So they, they had enough proof to send a diver down. He went down there and the silt blew everything up there. You couldn't see anything. And uh, they didn't find any uh, anything of uh, substance, I guess you would say. And so then they kept on going on for time and time again. And then they finally got into this part where they brought in a, a larger diameter uh, hole to go down. And uh, they still, and then they drilled another 500 test holes around the whole property and uh, around that whole area right there so that's that's the part that i uh, sort of uh i wonder like they keep on bringing up pieces of a uh, wood and uh this is what this uh this guy out of this uh treasure explore uh exploration guy has said there is that 
if any besides like gold doesn't deteriorate and either does silver and stuff like that but anything that's wood and that salt water deteriorates things right uh yeah most materials it will except for, of course for gold yep right so do you think that uh, they would put the Ark of the Covenant down at the bottom of uh, underneath a, a pit that would fill with water or uh, the works of Shakespeare or clothing or uh, things like that, like uh, or swords or any other type of uh, materials that would uh, that would uh, lose their value over time? That was sort of the point he was making. And that's that you any I think through anything there is that you would never put uh, something that was susceptible to salt water uh, damage and erosion. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. You know, I think that, um, I think that some people figure, well, it's possible, you know, some people might've said, well, let's roll the dice because yeah, on the one hand it might destroy what we put down there, but on the other hand, it's a really good way to protect it. If you got flood tunnels coming from the, from the ocean, you know, so right. I think it's one of these, one of these um, these risk factors that they may have said, oh, well, you know, it can go either way. It's really hard to know, Dell. I mean, I have um, obviously lots of feelings about what I think is going on. I think this goes back. I personally think this goes back thousands of years. And I'm talking okay. about be I'm talking about before the natives were there. I'm talking about like at the beginning of the creation of the earth is where I, where I go with this. Uh, in okay. terms of when in terms of when things were deposited, I think actually probably many times in history. And I think that people knew about this island. Um, I think it was one of the things I try to bring up a lot. I, didn't, I don't think I brought this up when I was on the island, but the fact that when Nova Scotia was part of Pangaea, you know, when all of the continents were connected, it would have been at the very center of the landmass. Okay. So um, I believe it's essentially was a cosmic axis for the Earth. I think it was kind of the center. I think it was actually the center that whole part of the world, which would have included like modern day Morocco, uh, you know, Portugal area, all this stuff. And I think they knew that. I think someone knew that in some of the old maps or something that, that was, had been hidden away. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a re- there's many reasons. And, you know, the other thing is, is when you look at the shape of the island, it to me, it's very strange looking. You know, I know not everyone sees that. But if mm-hmm. you look at Mahone Bay as a whole, there's what about 360 islands in Mahone Bay and they're all weird looking. They're all weird right. looking. It's not like you just see, you know, if you go to an island, you, you expect to see like a jagged shoreline and some rock outcroppings and stuff like that. But now these mm-hmm. look to me very clearly. They look, they look like shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, they look like specifically animal shapes a lot of the time. Uh, sometimes you, you the, can see. Do you think that that, that, that was sort of manufa- manufactured like that to look like an elephant? I do. But yeah. when you're looking for an explanation for that, you, you have to go metaphysical. Now, I, I've talked to, and a lot of people don't want to do that, Dell. It's the thing, which I, I respect. Mm-hmm. But people, you know, I do things my way. People do things their way. Well, um, this is your but, theory, right? So, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I talked with an engineer, and I said, yeah, you do not see that it's shaped like an elephant. And by the way, I, one of the, the tests I always do, I do a blind test for people. I come in, so people who don't know about the island, and I say, okay, guys, I'll show, you, I'll show you a little bit about Oak Island. I pull up a picture of it, and I say, what does that look like to you? And they say, oh, it looks like a baby elephant. You know, with no suggestion, I didn't say bring up anything and say, oh, yeah, you know, this looks like a shape maybe, right? No, they just say, yeah, it looks like a baby elephant out of nowhere. 
So it's not just me. There's a lot of people that see it. I'd say probably at least half people that I ask say, yeah, it looks like an animal. So I talked to an engineer back in, um, oh, I don't know, it was 20, 2015 maybe. It was a while back, and we were sending some files back and forth of some of the work he had done. And he said, you know what? There's no way you're going to convince me that this was created by humans. And I said, okay, well, um, you know, I, I'm suggesting that it was possibly something more supernatural. And when I brought that up, he didn't want to go there, you know, which is like, okay, so the conversation is going to be over now. Uh, and I'll find people that do want to go there because I'll tell you what, though, there is a lot of strange energy there. You know, I've been there many times. I've had things malfunction. I've gotten strange phone calls. I had the sensation that I was being monitored by something invisible. People have found um, have seen fireballs floating in the air on the island. They've seen uh, menacing dogs with red eyes standing on two legs on the island. People have seen wow. ghosts of British um, soldiers on the island. So it's it's absolutely amazing the amount of supernatural things. So you know if well if, wasn't that if, wasn't if that not, the wasn't that the story there of the the three boys uh, that, that they saw uh, strange lights on the island uh, and uh, that's where they came over and that's where they they found the oak tree and then they started digging and that's where they found the first layer right they saw thought there was like what's going on over there right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and some people would probably uh, classify that today as, as orbs, I would think, you know, uh, green balls or green lights or something floating on the shore. But the other thing about this, though, and, and this is something that's important to understand, too, is that that story of the three boys. And, and first of all, I think it's been fairly well proven that it was actually three young men. They were yeah. supposedly so supposedly they were actually landowners on the island, you know, they but they were probably in their early 20s, but they were not like boys. Yeah. Um, the story is, is that the it's actually a Freemason story. And we come into this Freemason component. There's been Freemasons involved with the search since the beginning of the search in 1795. And I'm sure, be, well, actually, the, the land was supposedly, supposedly was the first land that was actually broken up uh, into lots for distribution to the general public, I guess. Although a lot of them were not general public, a lot of them were actually Freemasons. So what they did is they actually split the island into 32 lots. Now, they could have split it into 30 lots. They could have split it into 34 lots, you know, and I don't know about the, mm -hmm. the acreage requirements, but the point is, is they chose 32, and yeah. we know that they were, we know they were Freemasons, so that right off the bat is suspicious, you know, when, you mm -hmm. when, you, when you're pairing those two things up. And maybe not, you know, suspicious, but the, the point is, is that it looks deliberate to me. Right. And then um, people that are out there so, listening, uh, 30, 32 and 33 Freemason numbers uh, that deals with the steps and that uh, going through in their uh, their whole rigmarole. But uh, anybody wants to look into the Freemasons and those numbers, uh, you can check it out there. But uh, yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's it. But also too, there, uh, Samuel, Samuel Ball or Samuel Bell Ball, right? Ball. Uh, Ball, yeah. Ball, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the slave that got away, then was gifted land, became a cabbage farmer on the island. And he is also supposed to have found uh, buried treasure on there too as well, correct? Yeah, he was. And he got very wealthy in a very short period of time. And no one could understand how he did it. You know, he could have had, one of the things too, Del, is that, he, you know, if he was just a, a cabbage farmer, he could have had, I don't know, 10 times maybe or more the amount of land if he was not on an island, but he chose to be on the island. And so, again, that's something that's interesting. The other thing that's interesting about him, too, is that where his, um, and they're still excavating archaeologically through his, they, they know where his foundation is, if people have seen the show, 
where, where he used to live. So they're still going through that and documenting and everything. And it happens to be next to some of these strange flat rock walls. It's next to uh, at least two major docks. It's next to a freshwater pond for like, you know, drinking source of water and everything and for irrigation and things. So there's all kinds of stuff going on with that particular lot, you know, maybe why he would have chosen that. But I just wanted to finish about the three, uh, the three people too, is that in the yeah. uh, Royal Arch degree of Freemasonry, the story is that there's essentially three Knights Templar and they, they were looking for the treasures beneath Solomon's temple and the Enochian vaults. The story is that there were three of them and they went down and that when they went down, there were nine levels and on the ninth level was the name of God on a delta stone, like a triangular stone. And we, when we go to the money pit model, there was the 90 foot stone at 90 feet. It had other markings on it, suggesting of, of how deep things were buried and such. But it, the thing about it is that the model is identical. This is the model of the Enochian vault. So right. whether the Freemasons did it or whether they knew about it from thousands of years ago when it was done, I have no idea. But um, yeah. I, I'll tell you something though, Don, I don't know if you had a chance to see it yet, but my friend, uh, Jake Roberts, who's been very involved with uh, theory work on the island, he's a, He's very good at, at deciphering uh, ciphers, you know, which is mm -hmm. basically uh, messages that have been encrypted. And he's got a YouTube channel. I highly recommend people go check it out. It's called Ghosts of Bacon, uh, as in Francis Bacon, Ghosts of Bacon on YouTube. And uh, okay. me, and Jake did, me and Jake did a show about three weeks ago, and uh, he actually found in the 1611 King James Bible, he found a treasure map. And I know it sounds, you know, kind of wild and out there, but when you look at it and you follow him through how he's explaining what he found with in terms of the um, details and the measurements and things of that nature, it's really, really convincing and it's really strange. I mean, you've got a, there's a, a picture page in the King James Bible, 1611, it's got it has to be the 1611 version because I think after that they actually removed that, that map. Okay. Um, but, you know, Basically, you, you got to find the visual clues. You draw straight lines, and he was able to come up with latitude and longitude, and it puts him right at the money pit. Hmm. And it's something where, you know, I, I'm, I'm not amazing at math, but I'm good enough where I can check out someone's work and see if this actually is consistent, you know, and it makes sense. And it's very convincing, and it also matches up with things that I believed five years ago when I went onto the island. So me and Jake actually did a show. I highly recommend people check that out. Um, I'm standing by what I support Jake hundred uh, percent. I'm standing by what he's saying. Um, mm -hmm. He's actually talking about Nolan's cross, which is a big megalithic cross on the Island. He's saying mm -hmm. that he thinks actually it was uh, meant to be the um, part of the Hercules constellation. And again, right. at, at first I was a little skeptical about that, but when you follow his train of thought and you look at the ancient traditions, it makes a lot, a huge amount of sense, huge amount of sense. Mm -hmm. So my, my newest uh, stance on the island, and it's something that I actually don't, I don't feel like it's ever going to disappear now based on the mathematics that I've seen uh, through what Jake has shown, you know, through the, the text of the Bible, King James Bible and everything, is that I think the, the most recent group of people who uh, buried something was the group that was related to Francis Bacon. Now, whether Francis Bacon was over here or not, that's a separate question. But he, a lot of people believe he did fake his death, though. And actually... I'm not trying to spo spoil anything for people, but uh, one of the one of the ideas that Jake believes is correct is that Francis Bacon was actually um, Samuel de Champlain, the great explorer. That that's he was the same person. 
and he went by a different name. He faked his death. He came over here, and then he started exploring and getting <clears throat> ready to. The idea is, is that Francis Bacon was interested in a new Atlantis, and he talked about new Atlantis and a, a better um, future for humankind and, and better teaching and institutions of learning and stuff. So the idea is that he came over here to establish that, and I think a lot of that had to do with what he buried on the island. So that's where I'm at now with it, with that. Um, but I also believe it's not just that it goes back. The mystery of the island goes back thousands, thousands of years, but I'm, I'm good with let's take care of the, of the bacon aspect first, because that's something that it's, there's a map. There's absolutely a map. Um, Del. And if you see that episode, I mean, you, you, I think you will be astonished to see what's mm -hmm. on that map and the visuals on the map too. All right. Well, that, that sounds interesting. I'll, I'll check that out. Now, this is this is another question that's sort of uh, come up here is that, uh, well, you, you're pretty aware they've been out there extensively uh, with uh, with uh, detectors uh, to find gold and silver. I think uh, the guy's name is uh, Gary Drayton and stuff like that. And I think uh, Gary, one, of yep. is one of their sons there, too, as well. They've extensively covered that island there with... Uh, with uh, detectors all through the beaches, all through uh, the properties. And this was another question that's sort of been uh, brought up there is the questioning of whether or not they've been seeding the island. Because uh, the in the episode that I just even watched there before with the swamp, they says, oh, there's a big, huge anomaly right here. And they were actually going in there. They found uh, a marker from, uh, I think, from Fred that he had posted in there from a long time ago. It says, and it was, wasn't that deep underneath the water. But this is a, a big, huge, major thing. Like, why didn't you find this before? It was only eight feet down below, right? And finding crosses and finding hammers and that, like, you guys had already gone and searched these areas. And all of a sudden now these items pop up again and they're only a, a foot or so underneath the <laughs> ground level. Like, that doesn't make any sense. If you're saying, oh, this is a hammer that uh, they might have used to go and uh, dig the money pit. And are going, well, maybe it was a hammer that was used to uh, fix a boat. Right. I think that there's sort of this uh, this one uh, minded thinking from these brothers there from this reader, Reader's Digest article that they believe that this is some sort of ancient Templar treasure and they cannot get their the script out of their head from that. And they've sort of convinced almost like a cult, all the rest of uh, the finders on the island that this is Templar treasure. I, I sort oh. of see it that way. Oh yeah, and that's you know that's Hollywood production doing that. The um, most most of the people on the island actually they don't even really watch the show, Dell, because they know what they did. <laughs> they know what they did, and at at the end of the season when it actually because it doesn't premiere live, but at the end of the season they just want to rest. They don't want to have anything to do with that. They want to take like a few months off and just get away from the island and decompress. So the right. thing about it is that. Um, that's something that's coming out of Hollywood, you know, and, I, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to bash anyone, but I, I've been, uh, I was subject, subjected to it myself. You know, I put out great work. It was not aired on TV, probably because it was too intelligent for most viewers. And I'm not being offensive. I'm just being factual um, based on what they show on a daily basis on that show. So the thing is, is that, um, yeah, they do like to push the narratives. You, you can see when they first brought the Templar thing up, you know, they had their big Knights Templar TV show that they're trying to make a series out of. And you saw it like, yeah. you know, you saw it like they advertise it in the, in the interim commercials and stuff. It's obviously you're trying to set up something, you know, that you're, mm -hmm. you got, you're trying to make money off of a concept that when you get people on the bandwagon and, and whatever. And for me, 
and even to this day for me, it's like, yeah, I see the finds. I'm like, okay, no, it, it is actually cool. You see an old piece of metal and sometimes it's like a brooch or something, which is really cool. It is really cool. Yeah. I like to see that. But mm -hmm. um, what I what what, uh, what is, is extremely irritating to me, and I think a lot of intelligent people, again, I'm not trying to be offensive, is the fact that we don't need like lead ins to stuff. We don't need like, yeah. oh, could it be this? Or could it be? We can think for yeah. ourselves, guys. You know, it's like yeah. we don't want to hear this crap anymore. <laughs> I know, like it's one oh, look at what you found here. It's just, oh yes, I know what that is. That looks like a hinge from a treasure chest box. <laughs> oh, that was one of the said, worst ones. I was like, what? What? What are you even talking about? But uh, like, this is this comes. This comes into a lot of things uh, that that even like North America is actually sort of a mysterious place. Like uh, a way our history books have sort of put it is that Christopher Columbus was the one who founded this. Uh, and then that was the whole thing. But there was people that were coming here way before. And they, there's proof that the Vikings were here in uh, Nova Scotia in that area way before Christopher Columbus was even here. And uh, there's tellings and reports and there's even buildings that they found out in uh, Newfoundland or New Vinland, which they used to call it. But uh, there's also things with uh, even around here where I'm up and uh, on the shores of uh, Lake Superior, halfway across uh, an island called Isle Royale. And they found, and there was a lot of uh, copper uh, mining that was done out on this island, out in uh, Lake Superior. It's on the northwest, uh, uh, just off the northwest shore between Thunder Bay and Duluth. And uh, a lot of copper that was mined from there shows up in uh, Europe and uh areas like the when they do the spectrometry uh metal stuff and i'm mm -hmm. i've always i've always wondered about this is that if they're taking copper from a far place that's halfway across the the uh the continent of uh, north america and bring it over to europe there had to be they couldn't take raw ore they had to smelt it somewhere and i've never found anybody that said they found any smelting uh facilities anywhere uh in northern well, in North America for bringing the stuff across. And I think that was sort of a, a point that sort of missed, like you wouldn't haul all that raw material without getting the precious goods. And that's, that's a sort of a, another story I've sort of always been sort of thinking about. Oh yeah. Well, and one of the things that I've been focusing on a lot, Del, and again, I, I don't really believe any, anything that's mainstream almost verbatim. I mean, immediately I'm like, no, and I see the people supporting it. And I said, no, no, we're not. We're not doing that. We're going to actually look at this. I'm not taking your word for it. Yes, I am going to go out and do it myself independently. And I'm going to talk mm -hmm. to my friends and other intelligent people who can do the same thing. And you guys can just chill out for a minute. And we're, we're, we're not listening right now. We're doing it our way, you know, proper way. So yeah. um, I think, you know, and again, this, this is uh, this is maybe a little out there for some people, but I actually believe that the continents were connected to each other uh, not entirely that long ago. Um, maybe a few thousand years ago, maybe a little bit more. And there's more and more stuff coming out with, oh, you know, these bones were not dated correctly or, you know, the thing about sea, and a lot of this is based on, well, you know, rocks and stratification and then C14 testing and all this stuff. But it's like, mm -hmm. you know, so I, this is what I always say, Dill. Just because you just because you claim you're a scientist and you've got all your fancy equipment and tools and all this crap, you know, and I'm sure you're in with your group who's funding it. And, you know, so that you can have your 20 yachts and 60 houses and shit like that. Um, 
you know, and, and I, we always see through that. And again, intelligent people see through that. What I say is that like, you weren't there, dude, you know? Yeah. And, I, and yeah. same, same thing for me though. It's like, this is what I, this, I always do this. You know, I'm a good scientist. What I do is I go in and I say, this is what I think. And then at the end of the day, I say, but you know what? I didn't see it. So I'm going to, I'm giving my best shot and I have enough humility that if other things come up, I'm like, okay, so there's something else going on, you know, and, and I'm totally, and I'm actually get excited about that. And then we try to develop the idea, but mm-hmm. this stuff where you can just say, oh yeah, the natives were here in this date. It's like, dude, you didn't see that you, in, right. in some of these things there was, there's not even documentation for that. So mm-hmm. if, if someone wants to say, yeah, this is what I think based on this. Awesome. I love to hear that. I love to hear people chime in like that, but we don't know oftentimes and even texts can be fabricated oh Oh, yeah this said right so this says we were here okay well who wrote the text you know Mm -hmm. what what was their objective were they trying to subvert a group of people or something because they were i'm probably not going to buy that text yeah well that that was this uh, thing i was sort of looking at that's why i sort of got into this part about uh about uh, smelting there is that uh, if you, I was looking into this whole part because I was wondering about, okay, well, they're finding these items and they're saying, okay, these are probably from uh, 1400s or something like that. And then I was looking about, and then I was looking at other things that are sort of old. And uh, if I go into one text, they says, okay, smelting started somewhere around uh, 5,000 BCE and that's with uh, copper. And, and I said, okay, well, that's sort of interesting. And then it went on to tin, lead and silver. So then I look up, it says, okay, well, when did the first thing about smelting gold? Because gold's such a big part of the story through any part of legend. And they say, okay, that's 6,000 BCE. Well, if the first thing they smelted was copper, how did they smelt in gold before they were smelting copper? That's, that's the whole thing about history. That's why I find it so interesting is that everybody has their theories out of everything. And everybody wants to say that their theory is right. And especially when it gets written into history books. And this is, I've said this yeah, many, right. many times, is that when it's, uh, it's there, that's what people think. I, even when I talk to some of my peers and stuff like that, it says, well, that's not what I learned in school. Well, maybe what you learned in school wasn't necessarily correct. Right? That was, that was they, they told you the answers. So uh, the questions and the answers. So you were able to pass the test. You, you pass that part. You're a good little robot or sheeple, whatever. You, you're, you're good to follow along that line. But that's, that's why I find this so interesting yeah. there too. Even with the stuff that even with uh, Graham Hancock is saying that about the younger Dryas period and people coming over and then you're finding pyramids in South America and North America and Africa and that all geomet or line perfectly with Sirius or the Pleiades and uh, all this astral stuff coming down and uh, way things are lined out. And you're looking says, well, if only uh, 6,000 years ago, people were hunter gatherers and using stone tools. How did they build these monolithic buildings that uh, you, we can't even uh, recreate there today? and move massive uh, blocks that we can't even with the best machines that we have we can mm-hmm. barely even move and they move these things like uh, immensely so there's a little bit more i think part to this history part and i think a lot of this has to do with sorry i'm rattling on here is that has to do with the influence of uh the catholicism and trying to take over the world and and with governments being in charge to go and 
pushed their story, their narrative through, and uh, everything else was sort of uh, discounted. Like they said, you only dig down in uh, archaeology down till you hit the black layer. You don't go any further than that because there's nothing down there. And then some started digging down further and they found more stuff. But all these professors that are in universities and colleges is saying this is the way they taught everything. They can't go in. They, they can't agree to it. This is, oh, that's all pseudoscience. That's all that because they make their money off of what they were learned and what they teach. Now, if everything that they were teaching, there's a problem with that, they'd be out of a job. Right. Yeah. And then I, and like to your point too, Del, is I want the minute you publish it, there's a lot of people who start to try to use that as a control mechanism, you know, so that you stay in power and you stay funded and all this stuff, you know? And so (laughs) the stuff I see happening on this earth, man, it's just like, it's too much. It's ridiculous. It's actually, it's just preposterous and stupid to me. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you put a bunch of, some of this goes into the idea of reincarnation and things. And just my thought has always been, you put a bunch of people on the same planet who have all different um, levels of learning and understanding and stuff, you're going to have problems, you know? So mm-hmm. that, that it had to be built into the system like that. Cause it's absurd, man. I mean, I, there's, it, it's just amazing. Cause even to this day, there's only a handful of people that I can even have a conversation like this with and not have to like stand there and be like, okay, you're, you're not getting this right. You're not understanding that texts can be fabricated and then you can have a th- 2000 year propaganda machine that's pushing this crap and it's, and mm-hmm. we know it's all trash, you know, that doesn't mm-hmm. occur to some people that, that, yeah, there are people doing that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like uh, even, uh, well, you went and you were telling me before you went out and looked at uh, some of these uh, earth mounds and uh, there's the, the one big one that has sort of been popping up there quite a bit there and people talking about, and that there's a lot of uh, controversy about that is the snake mound. And uh, mm-hmm. there's, and uh, I guess there's sort of a, a group that doesn't want it sort of uh, looked at. And because and, uh, there's a part that they said there with this. And, and this is, goes back to how these ancient peoples built things is how they sort of astronomically align things is that actually the way that the humps with uh, the serpent mount go, they fall with the solstices and the rising and, the, and uh, with the, the sun and with the seasons. And a lot of people, a lot of buildings were done even in a, uh, in South America with the Mayans and Incans and that, and the way that they built things is that certain way that the, the sun rose at the solstice, it caused the shape across there. And this, this was all things to do with farming uh, and, uh, and other things with the uh, ritual seasonal things. And uh, what it like, even with these burial mounds where they found things that, this is even going, I know we were going to talk about this a little bit more. Maybe we can do this again uh, with the mounds that you looked at, but this is where I wanted to get into the part with these mounds is that uh, there's newspaper stories that some of these earthen mounds were dug into and they found giant sculpture or giant skeletons in these like over eight, 10 feet long. And these were actually even recorded and you can actually look these up in uh in newspaper articles back in the early and late uh, 1800s and 1900s. And uh, I think the story is not fully told in this. I think there's, there's a narrative that's going on with that too, as well. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we talked about that um, maybe even the last time we did a show. It's been a while, Dell. It's been at least six months since we, I think we did a show. But um, the thing about it is that, yeah, there's all this. It's always the same thing. You know, no, no matter what um, discipline it is or what field it is, it, it always feels like there's someone that's trying to subvert the narrative. And then it always, the, this is a weird part about it to me. It always feels like they're like, they're like obscured or like they're just behind the scenes and you can never quite find them or catch them or see what they're doing or whatever. Even with the men black thing, it's like, you know, and, and this, this is one of the things I suggested, uh, I think the last time we talked is that, okay, you know, the, the accusation is that the Smithsonian took a lot of these bones and either burned them, gave them to animals to eat or threw them into the ocean, you know, or other things I'm not even thinking about dissolve it in acid. I don't know what they're going to do with it. But the mm -hmm. point is, is that surely this is what I this is what just blows my mind, though. I just I can't understand this. I, I get more hung up on this. Uh, can you hear me still? Sorry, are you still there? Yeah. OK, I get yeah. more. Hung, yeah, I get more hung up on this than even with Oak Island. And Oak Island's a lot harder to figure out the fact that mm -hmm. I say, OK, so we've got these thousands and thousands. I mean, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of mounds across the eastern seaboard of the United mm -hmm. States and part of Southern Canada. And you're telling me that there's not one person who's, you know, 70, 75, 80 years old. They've got no family left. You know, they've got nothing to lose. They want to go out with a bang, you know, and they don't um, hire some independent person to, uh, you know, publish a story about how they have these bones, get someone out there to take pictures and then publish it yourself. Publish it right. online, you know, publish it somewhere that's not part of a conglomerate and right. like, OK, so they might come after you and attack you. But, you know, you know what? Some people are they're in their glory days at the end of their life. They're like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to go do it, man. This is what I believe in. And you know what? Mm -hmm. You're welcome, guys. I did the work for humanity. How about that, Bill? How about one person that's got mm -hmm. one of these 15 foot skeletons in their barn and then their grandparents passed it on to them since the 1700s. Where is that person? That one person, you know, I don't get mm -hmm. it, man. I don't, I don't get it. So it feels, it feels like a dimensional subversion <laughs> that there's some weird metaphysical timeline. That's literally like, like blanking stuff out or like obscuring things and so that you don't even get to perceive it. I, I it's hard to explain that one. Yeah, uh, just the, you mentioned something about tossing it in the ocean, and it just reminds me, I did watch this uh, JRE uh, episode, I think it was about a week or two ago, of a guy uh, that was uh, up in Alaska, and uh, he had uh, was up there for gold and gas and stuff like that, and he'd found a whole bunch of uh, uh, ancient mammoth tusks, and uh, it was actually sort of an interesting uh, episode, and uh, he's got whatever, all the rights to that, and he's sort of... Uh, carves things out of them and he sells them but uh they, they were given to the university and a whole bunch of boxes and stuff like that it, it was either his property or another property he got the uh information on that a foia re request on it that was actually brought to a university in in uh, new york and uh there was like crates upon crates of it almost enough to fill uh, two box cars worth and they were there at the university and stuff like that. And they had uh, nothing to wanted to do with them anymore. And they had dumped them off into the bay, into the, into the ocean at the end of, at the end of the pier. And he tells you exactly where it was. And uh, it was actually to a place where they dumped off uh, 
also uh, medical waste and uh, human bones and that back in the early part of the century. And so some of these tusks and that could be there. But I guess when uh, somebody wants to, when uh, the powers that be want to get rid of something, they can easily sort of uh, mask and disguise it or just uh, destroy it instead of giving it back and that. And that, I always find that sort of interesting. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, t I totally get that point. But, you know, I still think about how about the one exception where they didn't quite get it? You know, come on. How can you be 100 for 100? That's that's what I'm thinking, though. It's like beyond comprehension how something could, one thing could not have slipped through the cracks. It's, it's weird, man. A weird world out there. That is true. And on that note, with a weird world and uh, really weird mystery meet there, I want to thank Dave for uh, coming on there. Dave, uh, tell them where they can find you and what you're up to there. Yeah, sure. Uh, best place to contact me, guys, is on, it's going to be on Facebook. Uh, it's under Dave Petrella. That's P like Peter, E-T-R-E-L-L-A. And then I also have a YouTube channel under the same uh, name, Dave Petrella. It's easy to find. I upload uh, new content there frequently. I, I'm always doing shows. Uh, I started my own podcast as well, so I'm going to be having people on just to have a casual conversation about whatever's on our minds, essentially. You know, I'm just trying to get information out, get people engaged, and uh, if I can provide a, a, a service for someone, that's excellent, too. I'm also on Instagram, Dave Petrella 12 if you want to follow me there. Um, and of course I'm an astrologer, so I do full birth charts. I do relationship mm -hmm. matching business applications with astrology. I can help people select days that they're more likely to have success in the year, uh, every year for astrology. And then, uh, I also do a lot with, uh, concepts of pre Ayurvedic medicine out of ancient India. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's essentially it's, it's health tips. It's a lot about fasting and working with oils and your bodies to get your fluids moving properly. So I do a lot of that. And then, uh, I also, of course, I mean, I'm always going to be involved with Oak Island. I have new content on that coming out frequently on my channel, too. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I also um, do spiritual guidance. So if people are trying to figure out what's best for them in their life or which path they should follow. Um, I have a lot of experience with the different texts throughout the world. You know, I'm not a discriminatory person. So I'm trying to get people to be their best selves. So if I can awesome help you guys there, do Dave. that, send me a message. <laughs> Awesome. That sounds great. So this has been the delicious recipe. We're almost out of time. we got about less than 30 seconds. So I want to thank Dave for being here. And uh, you can uh, check me out again here on UPRN, the delicious recipe, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.